0: Give me a title up there. Don't throw me out, church. Don't Don't throw me out. I've been in the book of Isaiah in my reading, and we will stay there today except for one verse in Jeremiah. Tattoos and winemaking. I don't. I don't know. I debated about this because if somebody, I don't know, if they see the, if they see the CD somewhere, I don't know. I went ahead and told Teresa that's where I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, but if you know me, you know that there's something else other than what, as far as I know, people get tattoos and you know do what you know whatever, but. You know, to me, it's like you know why put graffiti on the temple, right? Why, why, why graffiti up the temple, huh? <clears throat> and then winemaking. Well, you heard me a few. I don't know a few years ago, I preached uh, sermons back to back. One was Jesus was a carpenter, not a bartender. How many remembers that? Remember that sermon? And the other sermon I preached back to back on that was uh, Sippin' saints are slipping. Do Slippin', you remember? Sipping saints or slippin' saints. So uh, I do have some views on this that I will say most preachers don't, because they feel like it's just an issue that they'll never deal with, never talk about, because um, they know for the most, they know a lot of people in their congregation drink, so they don't they don't mess with that. They just don't deal with that. If they would deal with it, they would say, well, just in moderation. Uh, they would never say fornicate in moderation, right? <laughs> <laughs> They'd never say take math in moderation. No, they wouldn't do that. And I think that's just, uh, they use that verse, I think, as a cop out. So uh, let's get into what we're dealing with here. Isaiah 49. And then find Isaiah 65. Are they both up there? Yeah. And then Isaiah 65. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yes, she may forget. And God says, yet will I never forget you. Behold, I have engraven you. I have tattooed you upon the palms of my hands. Your name is upon my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. And we'll see what that means here in a minute. Isaiah 65, verse 8. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, destroy it not, for a blessing is in the cluster. Father, take the words that we will speak, and I am believing, God, that they're going to be helpful to everyone that hears, in Jesus' name, we're praying. Amen. A number of years ago, I was talking to this stodgy old preacher that I know. How many know the stodgy old? You know any stodgy old preachers? I do. I do. There's some, I'd, rather go, I'd rather go fishing with just some rank, drunken sinners than I would some stodgy old preachers I know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And he told me, I don't, he said to me, I don't believe in mushroom growth. I believe in steady growth. Because that time the church had, we had exploded in numbers. And, and I told him, I said, I said, well, my view of that's a little bit different. I believe in steady mushroom growth. <laughs> and there have been times that we have experienced steady mushroom growth. And the person that would tell and say to me, preacher, God's not into numbers. I've heard people tell me that before. And they've got a hole in their head. Because if you substitute the word numbers for the word souls. Amen. Right. Substitute the word numbers for the word people. And they certainly don't believe that God's not into souls. Or that God's not into people. I believe God is into numbers. So much so that he put a book in the Bible called Numbers. Yeah. And any preacher that would just as soon have 50 people in his congregation as 100, that guy's backslidden. And he just draw on a check. Because I can guarantee you from God's viewpoint, God would rather have 100 people go to heaven than 50. And God would rather have a million people go to heaven than 500,000. So you could say that, yeah, God's into numbers. And I've never yet seen a church chair get blessed or or get a wondrously enjoy the service, but I have people sitting in them seats get blessed and enjoy the service. So look around you, and if you see any seats that's empty, we need to try to get them filled. That's right. And the reason why is because I think God's into numbers. And I know that flies in the face of what a lot of people have been taught because what it does, it works an excuse for small numbers. Oh, God's not into in numbers. God's not interested in that. I believe that he is. When 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost was born again, ushered into the kingdom of God on that one day, that one day that happened. And in a few days later, before the week is up, there's 5,000 that's saved. And then the Bible says there's 8,000 that's saved. And then the Bible says the whole world is being turned upside down because of what these disciples are doing. Amen. Amen. In Isaiah 54, 2. It says these wonderful words that I will read. Enlarge the place of your tent. We've done that here at Orchardville Church. We've increased in size over and over and over and over again. So much so that we went to Centralia and we built a building over there and then we built onto that building over there and then we went to Fairfield and we've done the same thing. We've enlarged the place of our dwelling. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains for your habitations. Spare not, lengthen the cords, strengthen the stakes and thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left. I think that God is interested in the church growing. Christians are just like rubber bands. You're no good unless you're stretched. No good unless you're stretched. That's why you hear it over and over again. Share your faith with someone. Nothing stretches you like sharing your faith with someone. Anybody that comes up to me and says, I'm bored with my Christian faith, you're not sharing your faith enough. Because I can tell you how your faith, how you can be unboard immediately starting tomorrow. Think of the meanest, baddest guy you know and go to him and show your faith. Immediately your life will get exciting. <laughs> immediately. When he's blowing cigar smoke in your face and talking down what you believe, immediately your life will become exciting. You will have a story to tell. I believe that tithing stretches people. Oh, come on, preacher. I, I, I hear this sometimes. I just, don't, I just don't understand it. That's a big, fat lie. Either that or you're an idiot. <laughs> tithing is 10% of. If you made $10 last week, you pay $8. Anybody can figure this out. It's when the guy finally gets it and he goes, Darn. And the guy says, What do you mean, darn? Is tithing that hard? Well, no, but he goes, now I gotta do it the rest of my life. <laughs> See, some of you are just afraid of getting it. I've got this thing since I've been 16 years of age. It wasn't too difficult for me to understand. Neither do I think it is anyone else. Every single one of us is responsible for church growth. Can I get a witness? Why I tell you to pray every day, read two chapters in your Bible. If you can't read two, goodness sake, read one. And share your faith with someone. What's the vision for Orangeville Church? Reach, teach, and serve. Charles Spurgeon said that the whole world was his mission field. I like that. In the days that we were looking at here in Isaiah, Babylon has destroyed Jerusalem, and they laid waste to the walls that were there in Jerusalem. There are now no longer the beautiful walls that surrounded that city. And God said to Isaiah, the walls of Jerusalem are continually before my eyes. Even though they wasn't there, God said, it's like they are. I see them there. Even though everybody else don't see a wall, I see the wall there. Much like each and every one of us, and we'll start here off with somebody. Let's start off with Simon Peter. Simon Peter... God saw that man as he was. What was he? Fisherman. God also saw him as what he could be in the uh, Tevia, on Fiddler on the Roof, on the one hand, and on the other hand. That's what God's talking about here. On the one hand, he's got Simon Peter, and he's wrote it down, and he's a fisherman. And on the other hand, it's tattooed in God's hand that he's a preacher that preaches on the day of Pentecost and the head of the disciples. On the one hand, Mary Magdalene is a prostitute. On the other hand, God looks and she's tattooed down his hand as being the first witness to the resurrected Son of God. On the one hand, he looks at Paul, the, uh, Paul as, as the one that's trying to destroy the church. And on the other hand, he sees that it's Paul, the apostle, that writes two-thirds of the New Testament. God has us tattooed in his hands. God sees what we are. God sees what we can be. Thank God for that. God saw one hand. David was a shepherd lad. And on the other hand, he's Israel's greatest king. See, at Orchardville Church, we do, not, we do not exalt a pastor. And if you don't believe that, you ought to see how the staff talks to me sometime. You'd you know that's right. You'd know that's right. We do not exalt and spend all, all of our time exalting a denomination. I know preachers they wear assembly of God underwear. I guarantee they do. All we talk about. All we talk about. At Orchardville Church, we wouldn't exalt a, a praise team as good as they are. At Orchardville Church, we're not exalting any other group. What we are what we are called to do, and our vision is to exalt the resurrected Son of God. And when we do that, Jesus said, I will draw all men unto me. Amen. Amen. I think we got a lot to rejoice about. The Bible says wherein you greatly rejoice. I think a lot of us, all we do is we, we rejoice, or sometimes we need to greatly rejoice. Or if your neighbor seen you, they'd think you was crazy or something. But God looks at that and says, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm about there. That's what I'm about. Last Sunday, we had three people that were born again right here at Orchardville Church. Three people. Hey, Josh, hand me that, that ear of corn. Thank you. All right, who wants to guess how many kernels is on this ear of corn? 300. 300, way off. 180, you got to go the other way. You got to go the other way. 400, wrong. Four and a quarter. Ho, ho, No, hang (laughs) on. 1,000. Now you got to go the other way. You're getting closer now. 730. (laughs) seven hundred and thirty-eight kernels of corn what that tells me is you break off this one now and you plant that it can grow an ear of corn and have how many seven hundred and what thirty-eight if you have seven hundred and thirty-eight times seven hundred and thirty-eight you will have I'll give you a dollar if you get this right. <laughs> you will have 544,644 kernels of corn. Man. You know what that is? That seed, time, and harvest. To where you plant the seed, it takes some time, and then a harvest happens. Now that we've got all of this cleaned off over here with Michael Gill and all them guys that worked on that and made the lake, isn't that the best looking lake you've ever seen? Made that nice looking lake over there. It's not so dramatic as it used to be because they've got rid of all that uh, uh, wooded area that was there. It used to be you topped the hill and you got past that woods and then you seen this big church. Well, now you, you're kind of seeing it as you're, as you're driving up. But let me tell you what, that thing started in the ground. Just like this kernel, just like this seed started in the ground. This church started in a basement, that's in the ground. And I told the church, we're going to grow. And they said, well, which way are we going to grow? There's only one way, we've got to go up. We've got to go up. And like a seed that was in the ground, this thing began growing. And we had a 30 by 40 basement. And from there, we added 20 feet on to one side and then went straight up. And now we got 30 by 60 with indoor plumbing. (laughs) I told the church on my first day here, I said, we went to the moon. 69, we went to the moon and back. We can surely have a toilet that flushes around here and not one that's manual but you go out to and, yeah. With a Sears catalog out there. (laughs) From there, we went north and built 30 by 30 for classrooms. From there, we went to a 60 by 90 sanctuary. Then after that, we built this 20,000 square foot building that you're sitting in. And then after that, we built the Ranger building. And then after that, the Girls of Grace leaders came to me saying, well, the Rangers got a building and we don't have a building. (laughs) So we built the Girls of Grace building. After that, the Centralia branch. After that, the Fairfield branch. After that, Camp Orchardville. Thank God. And all of this started as a seed that was in the ground. And God knew on day one to where it was a seed in the ground, to where it's going to be what I have destined for it to be. And he had this tattooed in his hands all the time. All the time. Now, let's go to the winemaking. In Isaiah 65, 8, you've already read it. The new wine is found in the cluster, for a blessing is in the cluster. Get together, God says. That's a good thing. The Bible says we're put together, we're joined together, we're built together, we're members together, we are heirs together, we are fitted together, we are held together, and he also says, and we will be caught up together. God's for us getting together. And I think this group deal is a wonderful thing to where now we can be together quite a bit and in different settings. And I think that's wonderful. Jeremiah 48, 11. I want you to go there. And if you've got an ink pen or something to mark your Bible, I want you to underline this. Jeremiah 48, 11. There are some words here that's, if you're not careful, they'll escape your, your seeing them. God says concerning a group of people Call Moab. They've been at ease from their youth. They've settled on his lees. They've settled and it's just, it's not a good thing. You know, you know we, can, we can become so established to where we're never willing to move when God tells us to move. And that's what's going on with this group of people. And God says this, here's been the problem. They have not been emptied from vessel into vessel. This is how they made wine. They would take that as they had stomped it underfoot or as I've seen in Israel myself to where they have these huge stone presses. And they do not, it's not like to where you're maneuvering a handle. No, you roll this big stone over it. And it just, it just smashes them grapes. And then there's one part that's lower than the rest. And it's able just to slosh all out into another vessel. And then they would take it and they would put it in a red vessel. This is what I call the vessel of misunderstanding. Because not every grape over there is red. Some of them is white. And they could have took them white grapes and smashed them, collected them, and then put them in that red bottle. And somebody could have walked by and said, look at those beautiful, that beautiful red wine that's in there. And and the white grapes could be saying, no, I'm not red, I'm white. You don't understand. You're missing my point. This is the worst thing that I know about preaching, being misunderstood. And man, if you don't think that can happen. Guys, you say one thing to your wife and she ain't got a clue what you've, and then you turn it around and she said one thing to you and you ain't never got it figured out to this day. (laughs) And all the men look straight at me. (laughs) So if you don't think that some misunderstanding can happen, and the white grapes is saying the whole time, "No, I'm being misunderstood here. I'm not red, even though it looks like it's red." You're taking uh, 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 you're taking it out of out of context there. And he's saying, "He's saying, no, I'm a white grape. I'm not a red grape." And you know, it's interesting to me because the Bible, according to the Bible, wine is considered. You could have had you could have had walking through your vineyard, and there could have been a big cluster of grapes right there, and your neighbor was walking through your vineyard with you, and he said, hey, man, your wine is really looking good. He knew exactly what you're talking about because they referred to it as that way. While it was yet in the cluster, they referred to it as wine. When it was grape juice, they referred to it as wine. When it was intoxicating, they referred to it as wine. All three of those is determined and referred to as wine in the Bible. This is what I've had people tell me, been in places and they want, you know, you. George Thomason said this to me years ago. He said, you ever drive up to a place and it says bar and grill, they're more of a bar than they are a grill. And if you drive up to a place and it says grill and bar, they're more of a grill than they are a bar. And I never really given that any thought. Never given that any thought. But that makes sense. But there have been people who have told me that, well, you know, you ought to drink a little wine, but uh, Jesus turned the water into wine. I stand here before you saying that was the best grape juice that anybody had ever tasted. And here's the reason why. Now it's 80% alcohol that's infused into the juice to make what people drink as wine today. That's 80% alcoholic, 80%. In the Bible, you had to drink a lot to get drunk, even when it was intoxicating. But the reason that I know that that was not intoxicating wine was because the Greeks called this, they've known this for thousands of years, they called wine that they had an intoxicant in it, it was called teratogen. It literally meant monster-forming. They knew that a lady was drinking that. There was a chance that her baby would be deformed. Teratogen. Monster forming. Hard for me to get my mind wrapped around thinking that Jesus on that day turned water into teratogen to where there could have been a Of the bride that was there, a friend, and she's pregnant and Jesus has got her drinking a wine that could turn her, her unborn child could have a a tendency to be deformed. I have a hard time believing Jesus did that. Hard time believing Jesus did that. I don't think he made this as a teratogen. He made it as a juice to where, and it was the best juice that they had ever, ever had. All right. Now, let's get back to being misunderstood. How many remembers the story with Paul when he's on the island and he's bitten by a snake? You remember that? And all the people standing around says, whoa, that guy was a murderer and God's got vengeance on him. He thought he escaped and ha ha, God's getting the last word there. And what did Paul do? He shook it off in the fire and went right on. It was called a two-step viper. You, took, you got bit, you took two steps, and you fell down dead. And he kept right on. They misunderstood who this guy was. What's people been saying about you lately? Whatever it is, don't waste your time defending yourself. Oh, preacher, that's hard to do. Oh, I know it is. But wine can only mature when it's still. The next one poured from vessel to vessel. They poured it into a trough that was five feet long. It was roughly 18 inches wide and it was about four to five inches deep. And they did that because the sun could light on that and they could see those impurities and they could skim those off. See, the first one, they're telling lies about you. The second one's worse. They're telling the truth about you. <laughs> that could be worse. Because it's a real thing. This light is hitting the impurities. And I man, anybody that said, oh yeah, I, I, I'm close to Jesus. I, I mean, I've got a lot of Jesus in me and I'm just a pretty special guy and, and I'm just real close and it'd be hard to find anything wrong with me. You want know what that tells me? They ain't close enough to the light. Because you get close to the light, the deformity is going to show. Have you ever done any drywall work in your life? Yeah, you think you got that just right until the light hits on it, just oh, that ain't good. The light exposes that. I had a guy one time; he had six sets of light bulbs on a board. And he was taking it going down the walls of the walls that I dry and I said, You're kidding me. What kind of lampshades you gonna have on that when you decorate? (laughs) That's just my own soapbox there. I mean (laughs) You're kidding me. That's what you're gonna tell go by? It will reveal the impurities. They dry dock ocean liners. And they lose out on that pay of that week of those ocean liners being dry docked, but they know they'll make it up because they start skimming off all these barnacles and this junk that's grown to the sides of this ship and is expending more fuel for these things to run than it should. And they know that they're money better off to dry dock them and skim all of this junk off. And God's saying the same thing each and every one of us. David said, Lord, see if there's any wicked way in me. That's what, that's what David was saying. I'm willing to be dry docked here for a while. Skim off the wicked way that's within me. I want to be able to run smooth and to sail exactly the way you want me to. I don't want anything that's messing me up and slowing me down. So there you have today Tattoos and winemaking. It wasn't what you thought it was going to be about. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Bow your heads, please. Lord, what a truth that is. Wine can only mature when it's still. And help me, Lord, to do as I have preached, to not be always trying to defend myself, but Lord, just being still, And letting you do that work. And God, you're big enough to do that work. I ask and pray, Father, that you would know the, as you know the hearts of every person that's here. There's someone that's outside of your arc of safety, that they've never said yes to you as Savior. God, give them that want to and that drive to today. That they would realize they're wrong. And they would be willing to say yes. And God how right it is that there would be people willing to pray with them. And Lord, if there's any type of need in this house, we pray God it'd be met today. In Jesus' name, amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.